Welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Here are your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by our good friends at Zaparis Lawyers. This is an exclusive podcast just for the Zaparis team. Marcus Pierce here with you, and as always on the Laws of Wellness, I'm joined by the great man, Dr. Damien Christoph, Australia's number one wellness expert. How are you, legend? Hello, PC. Thank you. It's uh, always great to be introduced by you and what a great pleasure it is to be doing this for Zaparis. What a great culture, great team um, to be sharing health and wellbeing information through this medium. It's, it's special and what a great subject. What a great topic today. Coffee, wine and chocolate. I think my bet demo is that this is the most controversial but hopefully entertaining episode we do on the laws of wellness let's get stuck into this conversation folks coffee wine and chocolate demo everyone i know at some point in their life is trying to give up coffee trying to give up wine or trying to give up chocolate the burning question that i have for you today is are they on the right path (laughs) <laughs> it's such an interesting yeah, – that's a great question, PC. And there'll be people right now listening to this either drinking wine, having some chocolate, or having had some chocolate, and maybe on their second, third, fourth, or fifth coffee right now. And, uh, and I don't want to make anybody feel bad for whatever it is that you're doing right now. It's just good to put it all into context to kind of understand where it all fits into a healthy lifestyle and, uh, and, and, and why having some coffee, drinking a bit of wine, eating some chocolate is actually good for you. And I think that's where we can unpack – this little bit today um, so that people know that, you know, from time to time you might need to peg it back a little bit, but you don't have to give it all away. Yeah, absolutely. I think if all we can give you today on this episode is permission to live your life according to whatever rules you uh, set, then that's a good thing. I'm going to start with coffee, Damo, because I reckon when I met you, I did not drink coffee. And I am, as you know, a almond latte aficionado, but I know very little about coffee. I can tell by taste if I like the coffee, if I don't like the coffee, but I couldn't necessarily tell you why that is the case. So you have done... I would not even like to count so many presentations of Crack Your Stress Code, The Power of Food. You often talk about foods that begin with a C and end with an E, like coffee, like chocolate, like cake, like Coke, like so many of these things. Yes. Caffeine. Cheese. Um, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie. <laughs> so coffee as a rule, um, can you share with us, I suppose, the – Either the, the the crack your stress code version of coffee, or the or the nutritional process of coffee. Because if anyone is listening to this and doesn't get a buzz or a joy out of their coffee habit or their coffee consumption, um, I think they're probably drinking it for the wrong reasons. But can you share with us why people love coffee and what impact it has on the body? It's a funny thing, PC, because I remember drinking my first coffee. I got introduced to coffee through. Michelle, Jackson's mum. Really? Yeah. And I didn't drink coffee. I was a naturopath. And <laughs> no, naturopaths don't drink coffee. Don't drink coffee. <laughs> I remember doing it's my the internship. devil's drink. I know, right? <laughs> Black death. I remember uh, sitting down with my uh, my mentor at the time, naturopath Dr. Uh, David Fitz, and he said uh, he sat down to a big juicy steak and then a latte afterwards after he'd polished off some wine, and I was like. <gasps> Are you going to die? I can't believe you're doing that. And so I I, uh, I was never going to do it anyway. I met Michelle and she drank coffee and I didn't like the smell of coffee 
on her breath. And so I thought I better start drinking coffee. So I drank coffee, uh, which is hilarious because I never thought that I'd ever become a coffee snob, and now I am. Um, but what was really interesting about- Of <laughs> the highest degree, let me add. <laughs> no, no, the highest degree. That's Martin Harvey. Martin Harvey's like that. He is a coffee snob. I love it too. I love it too. Um, coffee has a chemical in it called caffeine. And as we all know, and that's often what we get addicted to, and even decaf coffee has- loads of caffeine still in it i think the best decaf coffee that you can get will have at least 50 percent less coffee that's it it's still got about 50 percent of the caffeine in it that it would have had if it wasn't decaffeinated so understand that the drug caffeine comes into your body and it stimulates a response by the adrenal glands to secrete something called adrenaline that adrenal surge that you get as a result of drinking caffeine and in this case we're talking coffee um, gives you a great feeling. It can make you feel, you know, beat your heart beats faster, your uh, blood rushes a little bit, your short-term memory call is unbelievable. Um, it, it is quite a profound chemical on the body and it can be quite good for you. In fact, there was a research study the other day that came out that this, if you consume, they did a study on, you know, hundreds, I think it's nearly 400,000, 400,000 UK residents that, those people who consumed two to three cups of coffee, I have translated that to be two or three because there's no in between there. It's not two and a half cups. You know, who's going to do that? That's a waste. It's two or three cups of coffee decrease their risk of dying, <laughs> which might include being hit by a bus. I don't know. But it decreases their risk of dying from a disease, really. Let's just put that in there, by 15% which is unbelievable. So people seem to live longer if they drink coffee. And and I don't know whether that's because of the ritual or whether it's because of the stimulation um, that people actually get, but it does actually have a benefit and you just need to know how to do it. It raises some great points. Um, it could be the ritual of coffee because coffee has become, and I think it always probably has been, a real source of ritual. Um, it could also be the buzz, uh, be, and it could, all, and that, and then the emotional buzz. I think a lot, a lot of people have a bit more resilience, a bit more optimism, a bit more um, can do when they've got that coffee buzz. Uh, a lot of people say, "Don't waste your first hour after coffee because you've got a lot more, again, can do about the day." But I'd love to yeah. ask you on behalf of everyone that gets the shakes or goes wild when they have a coffee and can't fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. I know I've heard you sport, talk about this before: the slow metabolism and fast metabolism of uh, caffeine um, yeah. and not everyone is the same and I think this is almost for me when I first heard you talk about this this is the key that unlocks the door to whether coffee is a uh, potentially a healthy or not so healthy part of your life yeah that's right PC and you can actually have a gene test to determine whether or not you're a fast or slow metabolizer of caffeine and slow metabolizers of caffeine actually struggle with caffeine because it sticks around in their body for too long and it creates a, um, a very significant adrenal reaction um, and that adrenal reaction is uh, is that shake, that jitter that you that you're talking about. You know that um, that tremor that you feel, the increase in heart rate, or the increase in uh, perspiration, your body temperature goes up. Those sorts of sensations and feelings come from this stimulation from caffeine. Now, some people might need one coffee to get that stimulation, or just the smell of it can do it. Other people need two or three or four cups of coffee to kind of to, to get them to that sort of point. Um, where I go with this is, and which is, I think is really important for everybody listening to this, is that if you get to a point where you rely on coffee to keep you awake, 
that's a pretty bad situation to be in. That's where you probably need to kind of seek some help, go see your naturopath, your chiropractor, your nutritionist, your doctor, to find out a way in which you can get your energy back um, without having to use stimulants such as caffeine because it leads to a slippery slope of you know, craving other foods and, and also potentially other substances. So be really careful with that. It can go through highs and lows. So watch out for that. But the other thing is too that um, be mindful too that if you no longer have the response to coffee that you used to, you've probably got a little bit too used to it and um, you need to probably back it off a little bit too. So it used to be that one coffee a day might be enough. If you found yourself kind of leaking upwards to six or seven cups of coffee a day, <laughs> you know, because some people do, just uh, be a little bit careful of that one too because that will have an unhealthful effect on your body, not only from an energy perspective but also from a gut health perspective and a bladder health perspective. Immunity and and yeah, and yeah. yeah. Now, so so I'm I'm loving this because I think this joins the dots for so many people. So I know my wife Sarah is definitely a slow metabolizer, um, and I know I'm a faster metabolizer. I have one coffee a day. I have it in the morning. We'll talk about you know best and worst times of day to have caffeine in a moment. But um, for the people that are going, oh my gosh, I've just now no, I'm a slow metabolizer of caffeine. I know um, again, my Sarah has chai, which has black tea, and she doesn't have the jitters. So, can you talk about the options for people that are go? Okay, I still want like a buzz, but not like the buzz that I can't fall asleep and I get sweaty palms and I jitter and I worry. Like, what are the other options from a caffeine perspective if people still want to go down that path? Yeah, so obviously you got coffee and the different types of coffee. So you go everything from a drip coffee to espresso coffee all the way down to instant coffee, I suppose. Um, and they're all going to give you different amounts of caffeine, like an espresso I think is going to have the most. Um, but your green tea and your black tea is the same herb. So a lot of people go, I, I drink green tea. And often I hear people say, I drink green tea before I go to sleep, but I have these crazy dreams and can't sleep too well. It's because of the caffeine. Um, and there's caffeine in that chai, which is made with black tea. That's the chai leaf, not the chai syrup, is made with black tea. Uh, that will still give you a caffeine hit. You've got guarana, and then, of course, you've got the other uh, synthetic forms of caffeine um, that are added to your soft drinks, um, which, you know, kind of you don't really want to – you don't really want to be having that go into your body much. So, and those black tea and green tea, they would, from again, from my very generalized understanding, they would be more of a slower release of caffeine, so it doesn't overtake the body in the same in the in the fast way that a feeling of coffee. I'm thinking of a Nescafe, which I haven't had for many years, but like <laughs> you know, that frappe, frappe, <laughs> Lena. Uh, the thing with uh, with um, caffeine, as it enters the body it initiates the response. It's not like getting a little fright or a big fright. You just get a fright. You know, it's kind of, it's just going to have that response once it enters your bloodstream. So the more highly processed a food is or the more highly processed a product is, the quicker the absorption of caffeine will be into your uh-huh, bloodstream. That's it. So be careful of the refined versions and, and, and the more pure the actual plant is that you're consuming the caffeine from, the better it's going to be for your body. A couple of other, and this is, we'll move on to uh, wine in a moment, but a couple of things that I think are so important for people to recognize, um, the time of the, or not the time of the day, when to have coffee, um, empty, uh, like empty stomach or on a full stomach? Great question. Um, 
the thing with co- with coffee or in caffeine, ca- caffeine will stimulate a sympathetic nervous system response to the body. So it causes rapid emptying of the gastrointestinal system. So it causes the gut to empty. So a lot of people will notice when they've had a coffee, 10 minutes later, they need to go and do a poo. Uh, and that's perfectly normal. That's a natural response. That's you know kind of what you could colloquially call the 10-minute rule. Drink a cup of coffee, got to go to the bathroom, and off you go. Um that's a normal physiological response. It's a sympathetic response. So you don't want to speed up trans- transit time in the body if you're trying to get fuel into your body. So if you want to crave less food later on, then you don't want to speed up the transit time of the meals in your body. In other words, you're better off eating your food and then later on, maybe 90 minutes would be ideal, 90 minutes after you've had your meal, have your cup of coffee and that will, yes, it will still speed up your transit a little bit, but you're not going to, um, you know, affect the way in which you're going to absorb your nutrients from the meal that you've just consumed. So the ideal time will be 90 minutes away from food, not necessarily before or after just away from food. And the other one that comes up a lot, you've already mentioned that decaf still has caffeine in it. So yep. don't be rused. Uh, milk, no milk. Just can you give an, uh, um, some insight on milk and its relation to coffee? Yeah, look, from where from where I come from, uh, I'm not too concerned if you have milk or not. But if you do get eczema or you do get lots of snot, you get lots of mucus, colds and flus, all that sort of stuff, or mucus at the back of the throat all the time, or there's a, maybe your guts are in, in bad shape as a result of consuming dairy, um, then maybe you would go dairy-free. And there's other different types of milk. You know, If you're a vegan, then you've probably tried them all. You might have had your nut milks. You might have had your oat milks, all those sorts of things, even your rice milks. Um, find what you like. Uh, and and don't stress too much about it. Um, a lot of people consume, are concerned about the amount of fat that might come into their diet as a result of having full cream milk. Um, but we might do an episode on uh, fat and how beneficial fat is for the body um, mm. when we talk about nutrition. Uh, very good. Well done. All right, so that's coffee. Uh, let's move on to wine. Now, just like coffee, where we see longevity, we often see coffee. If we look at cultures all around the world, you often see coffee and longevity paired together. You also see uh, alcohol. I won't always say wine because in cult- in different cultural places, if you go to the blue zone of Okinawa, you're more likely to see sake than mm. you are to see wine. Um, what do you think about about well, let's talk about wine. I know we could talk about alcohol, but let's talk about wine in terms of culturally. We have it, I would say, a pretty poor culture in Australia around, um, again, I'll say alcohol consumption. But maybe I'll ask you a better question. In terms of wine and longevity, what are your views on the role that wine plays in good health? It's such a great question, PC, because most people listening to this will have at times consumed um, alcohol. And most people listening to this podcast will have at times consumed too much alcohol. And neither of those uh, things are necessarily bad for you unless you're consuming too much over a long period of time. And that's, that's particularly um, dangerous and damaging to your body, particularly for your liver and your brain and your kidneys, all very important organs and you want to be able to keep them because like, it's better for your body to have all your organs. Better in than um, out. But- Better in than out, way better in than out rather than out than in. But as we were talking about before, but you want to make sure that your organs are all still intact. Alcohol uh, can be used as a social lubricant um, and really only should be consumed when we're talking about the benefits of the consumption of alcohol would be to, I suppose, 
stimulate and open opportunities, not only for ritual, but to have conversation. Well, this is probably a great opportunity to go on a virtual trip over to Europe to this beautiful Greek island called Ikaria, the island where people forget to die, where you and I have spent 30 days of our lives together there on three separate uh, trips. And we've observed these Panagetes and we've also observed the Ikarian culture where it is so strongly connected to their consumption of wine. Now, you just mentioned the social lubricant. I think we have these five golden rules of alcohol, which we've observed in Ikaria and across many cultures, it's very similar. And one of them is getting drunk is frowned upon, but getting tipsy, however, is seen as a great social lubricant. We have a bit of a different culture, particularly in Australia, where we almost um, try to drink as quick as we can to get as, not as drunk as we can, but to get drunk more quickly. It's, a, it's an incredibly <laughs> divergent kind of c- culture around alcohol, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And what we noticed when we went to Ikaria was that people would match 50-50 wine and water uh, or alcohol and water. So it was more about using alcohol, um, you know, to relax you uh, and to have a good time and to enjoy it as opposed to absolutely totally annihilating yourself but also maintaining hydration. So it's a really good practice. And what they do over there in Greece is actually water their wine down. Now, if you've got a nice bottle of Grange, you're not going to want to water that down. (laughs) What I'd highly recommend that you do is drink a glass of water for every glass of wine that you drink. And that Mm. way then you kind of keep that um, nutritional balance probably a bit more appropriate inside the body. Um, And there's no doubt too that the wine that's made overseas in say Greece or Italy um, or even the sake that you're consuming in Okinawa is going to have greater amounts of alcohol hold in it because it's not standardized whereas the wine that we might drink from the bottles Mm. uh, from the great companies here in australia or even in new zealand um, that's going to have a standard amount of alcohol in it that's just the way in which they're manufactured Um, but you would do well and benefit from maintaining hydration while you're drinking your wine and they don't bottle their wine like we do here they just pop them in big plastic vats of five or ten liters and just pour it out it's a very different um different very different type of consumption and i think as you're saying here they they elongate their experiences by um putting water in their wine but they also they you know golden rule number one is eat when you drink so they are always eating when uh they are drinking it's a, it's a very different what do we have over here eating is cheating yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they do say that, and I'm sure everyone listening to this has heard that too, or used it, said it to somebody. Eating's cheating, um, but for them, it's uh, it's the most important way to be consuming alcohol is with food um, and with friends. And then just on we on what we were talking about coffee earlier, you know, we draw this out to alcohol, particularly when you go to a longevity culture like Ikaria, never drink on an empty stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are no, never actually starting with alcohol; they're actually blending it all together, and you know, in their world that allows them to have these 14 hour panagetis i mean not even you and i could get to the end of the festival it might start at four in the afternoon and they have the remember they have the pepper dance which is like the very last dance and it was like six in the morning i don't think Um, i made it i don't think no we definitely didn't make it but for memory you got up a couple of hours after six o'clock and started cleaning up the town you were so invested in the village of nas (laughs) you had a garbage bag cleaning up the town doing your clean up ikaria uh campaign which we love so we've done three uh, golden rules of alcohol: eat when you drink, never drink on an empty stomach. Getting drink is uh, getting drunk is frowned upon. Yes. What about this one? 
Ikarians only drink in the company of others and never alone, which I think is, I think a lot of Australians would almost be triggered by this because in our culture, we just have, in our country, we have so many more people probably living by themselves than yeah. if you go over to these more um, traditional islands. But this is one where I even, I don't have, I don't know about you now, but I don't have to expect other people to drink. But if I've got Sarah and the four kids at the family table, and I feel like a glass of wine, I'm okay with that. I'm not saying, kids, you've got to have some wine with me. And if Sarah doesn't want some, shame on you. But I think it's it's drinking, it's it's consuming alcohol in the company of others because they love to talk whilst they're having a drink, don't they? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And, and it's more about um, making sure that you're not drinking alone because you can go to places where you don't want to go when you're drinking too much. And if you're by yourself, you're not actually getting things things off your chest, not actually using um, that opportunity to clear your mind and clear your heart, clear your thoughts. So um, they would see that as very, very important. And, you know, keeping secrets uh, is is not a great thing in that sort of culture. So um, sitting down with a friend, uh, consuming whatever it is that you're consuming at the time um, and being open and honest in conversation is really important. Yeah, and then the fifth one, which we've drawn on already, is they only drink the local wine. So uh, they don't have any wine from Bordeaux. They don't have any Grange. There's no... You're missing out. They, they, <laughs> they, they are only about their wine and if they even think that there's going to be some imported wine at a party, they will bring a carafe of their own wine and only have that. Um, it is a thing. But I think for us, uh, I'd love to know what you think and maybe even what your habits are around alcohol these days is I love buying local wine, whether it's, and when I say local, Australian wine, I would even wouldn't mind buying some, I like buying some New Zealand wine every now and again, but I do, um, you know, I'm not going to say I wouldn't drink wine from, you know, America, South America. That's not what I'm saying because I know there's times and, and places. But I do think just supporting local is just such a wonderful thing, whether it's in the food you buy or the alcohol you buy. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Can't go wrong with local. Um, I don't know whether or not my next-door neighbor makes as good a wine as what uh, Penfolds do, but uh, you definitely can't, you know, beat local. But um I think the, t- the key takeaway thing here is, and you don't have to be like the Ikareans, you don't have to be like the Okinawans, but to take lessons from what it is that they've actually, you know, what they're teaching us in terms of longevity, they'll be to consume alcohol with your friends um, or with somebody, certainly not in your own company. Um, make sure that you're staying hydrated, have it with food, um, and you're using it as a social lubricant, not as a race to try and um, become totally inebriated. Yeah, and I think what you said about coffee earlier, like if you have if you know you've crept up to one, two, three, or four, then you've got to recognize that that could be a problem you want to deal with, and we gave some strategies for that. These five golden rules are just great strategies to go, oh, you know what, if I'm having too much or I'm doing it kind of the a way that's not supportive, just just adopt one or two of these. And from our experience, it will make a great difference as well. Yeah, um, totally. Totally. I love that. And PC, I really want to talk about chocolate. I had to talk about we've got to talk about chocolate. Because, <laughs> you know, we talk about, you know, wine that's local. Something that's absolutely not local is chocolate. Chocolate's coming from <laughs> West Africa or somewhere a long way away. It's definitely not coming from Canberra. And what I can tell you is that I love chocolate. I love it. And I know you love chocolate too. I've never seen anybody eat chocolate slower than you, but you love your chocolate and I love my chocolate too. 
Well, do you think chocolate is something? I mean, you go to every country, whether it's – I always remember going to Switzerland and we went to a store and we're like, what's the best Swiss chocolate, thinking they're going to say this amazing brand we've never heard of. And they're like, of course it's lint. And they're like, oh, I can get that at the supermarket for $2. Um, yeah. But the thing is, like you said, you know, like West Africa make 70% of the world's cocoa beans. Um, so you go to any country though and they're – it's it's a part of like pretty much every culture that you go to. I just love to know like why do you think this is? I mean, obviously chocolate's amazing, but why do you think chocolate, probably more than most things, has just taken over the entire world? Ah, oh, well, it's highly addictive, isn't it? Um, and it does taste absolutely beautiful. Um, but it also gives you something to talk about. And you know, often when you come together with people there's you're looking for hooks and anchors of things to talk about obviously you could talk about people you could talk about the weather you could talk about politics you could talk about religion you could talk about whatever it is you could talk about footy you could talk about ballet if you wanted to but at the end of the day um you know when you find something that's fine and you're sitting down and you're enjoying it with, with another person that's a great thing i think the key thing is and whilst we've spoken about wine and coffee and now we're talking about chocolate you could easily go, what are these blokes on about? Are they just telling us to eat bad stuff? And we're not. What we're saying, we're giving you permission <laughs> to kind of enjoy these nice things in life, but to understand the role of this stuff in your life. Mm, and that is pleasure. I mean, that's the thing. We love it for pleasure. I mean, when I see you, yeah. I expect to have a great coffee with you. Yes. I expect to have a great glass of wine with you. Yeah. And I expect at some point that there might be some chocolate on the table. Definitely. It's and- probably going to be lint. It's <laughs> probably going to be lint, yes, uh, and and we love that. But I think this is the the thing is that we're not saying that you have to go cold turkey. And there may have been times where you have gone cold turkey over this, but we can't find any real evidence, hardcore, double blind, placebo controlled studies to show that removing coffee, wine, and or chocolate from your life, cold turkey forever, is going to do you one iota of good from a longevity or quality of life perspective. More than anything, Damo, it's probably going to. Uh, uh, take you away from a lot of social gatherings, going to remove a lot of conversation from your life and just maybe take a smile off your face pretty darn quickly. Totally, totally. What we do know though, Pierce, and we want to come back to this, is that longevity uh, is dependent on you may, uh, definitely not getting a chronic disease. So you don't want to get heart disease, diabetes or cancer. And so heart disease, diabetes and cancer have definitely been linked to high consumption of alcohol high consumption of stimulants, high consumption of sugary foods. So let's be you know, clear here. What we're saying is that these foods are part of a healthy lifestyle and they are not in themselves superfoods by no stretch of the imagination of what we talk about. We're not talking about these as being superfoods. We're talking about these as part of a healthy lifestyle. If you feel like you're being burned out or you've become burned out, if you feel like you're becoming dependent on substances, if you feel like in order to decrease your stress at the end of the day, you've got to have a glass of wine or a couple, maybe even a bottle, then you've probably gone too far. And these these are great triggers, great signs, great indicators for you to maybe shift things up a little bit, go get some support from a nutritional perspective, go have the chats that you need to have with your healthcare practitioner to make sure that you're staying really well and to keep things on track. Uh, wise words as you said these things are to be enjoyed not depended upon uh, coffee wine and chocolate folks hope you've enjoyed this episode we look forward to bringing you the next one Damo as always thanks for your wisdom
Damo, I reckon the team at Zaparis would have enjoyed that chat on coffee, wine and chocolate. I hope so. I hope it feels like uh, that they've got a bit of permission to have a little bit of fun. It's not, I mean, longevity and health is not all about being strict and, you know, whipping yourself because, you you know, you've maybe slipped up and fallen off the wagon. And in fact, having a little bit of wine or chocolate or coffee is not slipping up and falling off the wagon. It's actually giving yourself permission to enjoy life, stay happy and remain engaged. Uh, very well said. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Laws of Wellness as a Paris team, and we look forward to bringing you another episode in this Laws of Wellness series. Marcus Pearson, Damien Christoph, we're signing off and wishing you uh, the rest of your life continue to be the best of your life. Bye for now.